On today's show, part one of our conversation with attorney and political scientist Dan DeNorch, who joins us to take on patents, copyright, the Internet, and all other things used for good and evil. That's today on Tuesday noon for June 20th, 2006. Welcome to Tuesday Noon. We're back. Another week, another Tuesday, another noon. I like seeing you people every week. I like seeing you, too. You're just saying that. I know. (laughs) I know. I like seeing Mary more than than you. Yeah, well, thanks. That goes without saying. Come on. When when you're looking at beauty in this room, it ain't you and I. It's not not coming from that. It's it's clearly on the other side. Uh, I am Pete Wright. Welcome to another show. Today is June 20th. 2006. And you know, I didn't say this, but two weeks ago, our inaugural edition was 6606. Wow. I didn't realize that. Did anybody go see The Omen that night? I did not. No. No. Nobody did. But nothing no. bad happened. We, we did good? I think we did do I, pretty I, well. I think it did well. The world well. survived. That's yeah. right. Very cool. So I'm sitting across the table here with uh, Jamie Whitley. Mr. Jamie Whitley, it's good to be here. Thank you very much. And Mary Bradbury Jones. Great to be back. Mary B. Good to see you. In addition, we have our guest today. Mr. Dan DeNorch, one of our very famous faculty members, and he's here to discuss a few things with us. Dan, tell us about yourself. Thanks, Jamie. Uh, Well, I'm currently teaching the employment law course. I'm a practicing attorney. I do workers' comp, personal injury, employment law. Do you have like a personal injury number? Are you on TV? You know, call one. Have you ever stubbed your toe in somebody's mailbox? Call one eight hundred. I do. Did really? You want it? <laughs> do some free advertising here. <laughs> I also do uh, management consulting and leadership training. Oh, very cool. In addition to teaching at the University of Phoenix. Uh-huh. You have some political experience as well, is that right? I do. I ran for Washington County Commissioner at large in this last primary election. I didn't win. I didn't really expect to win, although I hope to do a little better than I did. Sure. But it was a very interesting experience learning how the process works. Ah, very cool. You going to do it again? Yes. Except this time I'll do it the right way. Good. Excellent. Interesting. Are you going to tell us what the right way is later? Later. All right. It's a trade secret again. It's a trade secret. <laughs> so you have to listen to the whole program. It's like the teaser in the news. It says coming up, right. and then they put it at the end to make that's you right. watch it. So that's what it is. Right. Right. How about your website, Dan? Uh, my website is Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb. How do you spell that? O-C-C-A-M-S, Razor Consulting. All right. Yeah, okay. See, now I always thought it was uh, O-C-K-H or O-K-H-A-M-S. Yeah. That's the, that's the old English way of spelling it. That's the way it was originally classy. spelled. It's huh? William of William Occam. Occam. William of Occam. William yes. of Occam. Old yeah. Bill. Old Bill. What is Occam's razor? It's uh, a principle that's been stated in many different ways. Uh, the simplest way to say it is keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> Oh, the old kiss <laughs> method. Works for me. He simply said that uh, the simplest, most obvious solution or answer to a problem or question is probably the correct one. So one should always start there and not go to the more complex solutions or answers until the simple one has been proven incorrect. Well, you got my vote. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot more fun to simply say, keep it simple, <laughs> stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> well, let's see. What do we have on tap for today? Well...
we've looked at an article today called about Acacia and some technology acquisition that they've been doing regarding patents. They've got what seventy five patent portfolios. Oh, more than something that. Like you know that. what? While you're talking, I'll bring them up. I mean, they've yeah. got tons and tons of patent portfolios. One of the patent portfolios is centered around digital media. The compressing, transmission, uncompressing, playing of digital media, video, audio, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what they're doing, of course, is they've acquired these patents, and then they're going around and they are suing folks for using, evidently, technology that is covered by these patents. So, for example, even a podcast like this might indeed be covered and then they will say, well, wait a second, you can't do that anymore unless you're willing to pay certain fees. So you either pay the fees or ignore them and you risk going, going to jail or getting sued uh, or you stop altogether. And they're going around the country and suing a lot of large organizations with very deep pockets. That what, what I find so interesting about Acacia, and I, I don't hear them talked about that often, frankly, and I, I find that particularly interesting because I listen to a lot of podcasts. You go to AcaciaTechnologies.com, and, and, uh, and this is what it says on their website. We have a proven track record of success with more than 400 licenses, including a number of multimillion-dollar settlements from some of the world's largest corporations, and have a team of experienced professional staff, including in-house patent attorneys, licensing executives, and engineers. With approximately $40 million in working capital, we are able to bring and sustain legal actions against infringers if and when necessary. So they are acquiring these patents. They're not developing many of these patents at all. They acquire these patents, and then they litigate them on behalf of their client organization. Is this the same group that's uh, giving BlackBerry such a hard time? I don't think so. I think so. BlackBerry was the same actually principle. It's same, it's the principle. Same exactly. Somebody and buys huge. up the patent and then... Goes and strong arms, and then goes yes. and strong arms them, and so the whole. Co- I mean, what what I'm interested in from a political standpoint, and of course, it af- because it affects us directly. I'm interested in this whole idea of who are we protecting? I mean, what was the intent of the Patent and Trademark Office, and and is it me or is this whole thing completely kerfuffled? That's an interesting one. I'm going to dare you, you all. I'm going to dare you all to work that into Is this that show again as elegantly it's as I just did. All right. It's a very polite word. <laughs> <laughs> it's all I could think of. It's just ripe with emotion. Well, in terms of who it was designed to protect, it was designed to protect people who are creative, so that people can go out and create, invent. In our attempt to create the patent office to allow the little guy to create progress and create technology and intellectual property and those sorts of things and protect themselves. But at the same time, if we have other people gobbling those things up, then what happens is the opposite occurs. We actually are stifling that creativity because then if you are the little guy and you create something or try something new and it steps on those boundaries, then all of a sudden you're going to get the pantsuit out of you and it becomes, well, wait a second, I I can't afford that and you're going to settle or whatever. And so therefore then everything's owned by the big company and the little guy really doesn't stand a chance. He doesn't have any opportunity. He's not going to get anywhere because the big guy says, well, here's here's what you're going to do and here's how you're going to play. They define the rules Mm -hmm versus this whole creative, think-out-of-the-box type of mentality. So I think the opposite actually happens. And if, <clears throat> considering that we're a global marketplace now, my question is what are, the <clears throat> got a frog. what are the long-term ramifications to the overall success of this country if we head down this road? Because if other countries are encouraging innovation and creativity, 
will there be a point where we're no longer the mega power that we are? Are other countries, Dan, you would know this better than anybody, are other countries governed by our same patent laws? So no. if we patent XYZ, they don't? They're not unless they specifically agree to in some form of treaty or other type of an agreement. All right. So, yeah, they don't, they don't have to abide by and aren't controlled by our copyright laws. Okay, so we got to talk about Pirates Bay. Have you guys heard about Pirates Bay, yeah. what Pirates Bay is? Okay, yeah. you're so dating yourselves. So you need to hang out with Jen Wymore. Uh, <laughs> so the Pirates Bay is a website, and, you know, actually, according to the DMCA, I might be – this whole podcast might be illegal because of what I'm about to say. Uh, Pirates Bay is this website that provides a tracker service for BitTorrent. For you know, BitTorrent is a download service. You can right. an application. You can download um, media files, right? And in many cases, you're downloading media files that are illegal, you know, according to our law. Like what? Video clips? Movies. Full sure. movies. Okay. I mean, full Songs, movies. Um, digital content. Current, second run, originally, you know, just released on DVD. Somebody encodes them, hosts them on a private server somewhere, and posts a tracker to the Pirate's Bay. So the Pirate's Bay isn't actually hosting any of this copyright, uh, this uh, uh, violated material. It's just hosting a pointer so that when you download that pointer, you then know where to get that file. Well, so the Pirate's Bay has obviously not a, um, uh, the U.S. Uh, you know, copyright agency is not really happy with the Pirate's Bay. RIAA, not happy with the Pirate's Bay. Motion Picture Association of America, not happy with the Pirate's Bay. So these guys are in the Netherlands, right? So the U.S. says, you know, we need to push these buttons. We need to get a, a raid on the Pirates Bay. The cops move in. They seize a whole bunch of servers, uh, and, uh, and the Pirates Bay goes down. Three days later, Pirates Bay is back up in Sweden. Yeah. Right? All, and now they're saying – now the, the servers that were captured in this big raid, some of them weren't even the Pirates Bay. Yeah. Right. They were from other companies that are now suing the police that raided. Yeah. And actually, according to local law, Pirates Bay can sue the police yeah. because they are not in violation on local law. Mm-hmm. Well, Napster, I mean, if you look up, look back to the original downloading of, of pure sharing, which, which goes back to Napster, they were sued for a very similar thing because they weren't actually capturing the data. They were just pointing to other people's machines and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they lost very big and... and you know, basically destroyed their company and they had to reinvent themselves. But then that, that same model, if you're taking it outside of the United States, who has authority? And, and are they covered by all these patents and laws and et cetera, et cetera? And again, it goes back to do we stifle creativity when we're trying to regulate all these things within the United States? And are we, are we really taking tools away from citizens and, and students like podcasting, for example, and the things that we're trying to do with that and, and delivering content to people who are who are or students who are trying to learn and become more knowledgeable and et cetera, et cetera. Is it really in our best interest to not let ourselves do that and to take that away? This just doesn't make sense to me. Well, Jamie, I think that you may have confused two different concepts. <clears throat> now I've got your frog. <laughs> um, first of all, the copyright and patent laws allow people to create. They create things or they create uses of things. If you're creating a use for something that already exists, you own that technique 
You just can't practice your technique unless you license the right to do it on somebody else's license. So that doesn't stifle creativity. It allows people to continue to create and to protect what it is they create. What companies like Acacia are doing is they're trolling for patents. So the patent has, I, I, I want to say, a 30-year lifespan. I, I'd have to check that, so don't take that as gospel. But after 30 years, the patent expires. The patent holder can and has the first option to renew it. If they don't, and oftentimes they die, the patent goes into a, you know, an estate somewhere, then the troller comes along and picks it up for peanuts often. It's an estate sale. Right. So you get it's a an nice estate sale. couch for a right. few bucks. So their idea is to keep, keep their eye on useful patents when the patent expires, or even before the patent expires, try and buy it from the patent owner. And then you get to license the technology. So that's what's happening with these corporations. If you go out and create something brand new, you can still patent it. It's still yours, and you still reap the benefit of it. Well, I, I agree with that. I, we probably are mixing things <clears> up. <throat> but if you step back and look at it from a broader sense, mm-hmm. so Amazon.com, for example, has licensed, ha- has patented this idea of one click and you can order something. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not a rocket scientist, but to me that seems pretty intuiti- intuitively obvious that you click once and you have the opportunity to order things. And other people have done that for a lot of years. They just came along and said, well, we're going to patent this. And, of course, they have prevented then other people from doing that unless they license from them. So it has stifled the opportunity for creativity. It's stifled the opportunity to even compete because they have something that nobody else can have based upon some kind of weird esoterical patent that's kind of iffy anyways. And how, how's that fair? It really doesn't allow people to compete in the same playing field. Well, I think that's a great that's a great question. How is it fair? And it's the kind of thing that happens in a society all the time. You know, somebody starts doing something and other people want in on it. And if the pressure to get in becomes strong enough, then laws get passed that allow other people to participate. Or if the people having the power over the process or activity are strong enough, they keep legislation from being passed that allows other people in. Now, it's kind of simplistic and may even sound sort of ambivalent, but that's simplistically, that's really what happens. The guy with the football calls the shots is what it boils down to. Or the person with the most money. Exactly. I, I'm, I was using football as <laughs> right, you know, right. metaphor for right. money or power. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The guy with the power or the you know, it's your football, it's your backyard. You say where the where the goalpost is, unless the kid next door brings four big guys over, and then they tell you where, it, even though right. it's your football. And that's uh, you know a metaphor for what. So happens. then, then we keep <clears throat> moving into an era of bigger and bigger companies mm. and organizations than owning the right for what you and I can do, see, look at, hear, participate in. Yeah, absolutely. Unless we're willing to pay whatever they think their fee is that's fair for that. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, our rights are being taken away. Well, it started in a big way with Regan doing away with the Sherman Antitrust Act. And now corporations are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay, well, you got to give us some more background (laughs) on that because, you know. For those Gen Y people that go to Pirates Bay, they don't remember what the Sherman. Well, they should they should Google it then and find <laughs> out for themselves. I, I don't like to I don't like to tell the students everything. I want them to figure it out for themselves. 
information yeah. utilization skills. Yeah. That's right. <clears throat> wow. Well, that and it just puts us in a tough spot. And, and I worry, again, about educators because education is trying to take advantage of a lot of these technologies to be able to provide a richer experience for students. Which is a perfect example of how you would get your foot in the door without having to pay. In other words, legislation gets passed that says, well, nobody else can use the technology, but educational institutions can because the state has a interest in education. Absolutely. And that's that's the way you get the foot in the door. And that's a, a highly probable way of creating the legislation that will allow the use that you want to have. One even gets bigger then, right? You were telling us, Mary, earlier about uh, ISPs and restricting restricting content and having levels mm-hmm. and those sorts of things. I and mean, I don't know all the details more than I do, but but isn't that the same type of thing, just at a different level? Exactly, exactly. The way um, I understood it was, one, and I think there's multiple um, things – bills in the coffer somewhere around the internet in some way. But one of the ones that was there had to do with companies being able to um, pay for search engines to restrict certain sites. So for example, um, you know, if I'm a search engine small company, I could maybe go to Comcast and say, um, we'll pay you to only allow your Comcast people to use our search engine. We do not want them allowed to use Google. And then Comcast, if they wanted, that was a good enough deal for them, obviously, then could make the decision, okay, we block Google now for every Comcast website person. Hmm. So you can take that into, I mean, we can go down the morality road, which is all of a sudden uh, very large mega churches paying sites to not allow access to gambling, to pornography, to... Well, and to, to just... To formalize that, the way I understand it, it's more than just just about the search engines. I mean, it's even it's what we're talking about is the the companies that say they own the pipes, the Verizons, the Comcast, the those that are providing internet service. Going back to Google and saying, for example, you know, we're not making enough of our enough back in revenue to support the ongoing development of the internet, of the servers and the backbone and the fiber that goes out there. So, Google, you are ninety percent of our traffic. We want you to pay a fee to us exactly. so that we speed you up, or essentially that that you have direct access to our pipes if you want that that access for your customers. Well, now Google has that opportunity, and and and, and so what we're looking at is sort of the, the the kickback is that the companies that don't choose to pay are relegated to this backwoods server. This and so the mom and pop business, the uh, you know the you know, while eBay may choose to pay if you set up a, a storefront on eBay, you might have a very fast internet service. If you go over to our local Easy Street local ISP you might have a much slower connection to the net, thereby restricting your your ability to do business. And so the whole discussion is, is that anti-competitive? Um, Absolutely, since we have no choice. In a lot of cases, you don't have a lot of broadband choice. Some places you do, certainly in major metropolitan areas. But if your only choice is Comcast or dial-up, which is like, are you driving a fighter jet or a broken-down Yugo? It, so you're looking at that and you're saying, okay, I want the fighter jet. And if they're saying, well, that's good, but here are the things that we're going to say that you can and cannot do, they're restricting your freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. And totally to get unfair. that fighter jet, that's going to cost you $500 a month 
or you can pay your 20 bucks a month for Easy Street and well, not yeah. have that service yeah. and not have access to, to things. And that was their the recent argument was that, you know what, okay, fine. We're the ISPs, and if you want a fair and equal connection, if you want to get what you're actually paying for, it's not going to cost you 50 bucks a month. It's going to cost you 400 uh, unless we're allowed to go through and start charging the major Internet service organizations like the Googles for their bandwidth that we use. And we already don't get what we paid for. I just upgraded to Verizon's new Fios, their fiber optic system in my house, and it said it advertised 15 megabits. I mean, it's just this, it talk about fighter jet, and I get a biplane, you know? I mean, I get maybe a fourth of what that is at a regular speed. It, it bursts up to that fast, but I don't, I'm not in it for the bursts. Well, then that comes to the question of who owns the pipes? Who owns these pipes? Which that the service providers mm-hmm. essentially rent. Well, it goes to what Dan was talking about, the, too. Is I it mean, the people that own them? Well, I wonder. I mean, they, right now, Comcast and Verizon, they're all saying they own them. But you look at you look at the Internet 2 initiative, right? It's that whole sort of Internet that is separate from the Internet, that is owned by the 200 educational institutions and industry and government, I say that in quotes, because we don't quite know who they are. Well, that's how the Internet One started, was education and government, and now we're in sort of a kerfuffle. That's mm-hmm. twice. Oh, my God. And so you guys sounds... haven't even used it once. <laughs> one thing that, was that on your Word of the Day calendar? <laughs> See, uh, you've been yeah. reading Reader's Digest again, I can't. We're <laughs> going to have to bring words <laughs> next are. time, I'm because I'm, I'm not have looking game real on, good. No, uh-uh. No, uh-uh. No, uh-uh. I don't even remember well, what, we're what talking about. What you're talking about is is what's always happened. You know, when people want something, somebody else tries to figure out how can I get control over it so that I can make the money right. or get what I want from the people who want what I have. So that's that's pretty simple, you know. I think the difference here is this <clears throat> is a worldwide issue. It, it, it's not controlled by any one person, and it, it touches the mm-hmm. lives of, of billions of people. and so, Which really is the free market economy, absolutely. basically. Yeah. So, you know, the, there, somewhere, somewhere along the line, there will be an interest group or a power block with sufficient pull to make it go their way. What way that's going to end up being, nobody knows yet. Because it looks like there's all the seesawing back and forth. And there may be battles that are lost where this big company says, I get to charge whatever I want and you don't get to use the Internet unless you pay me. And then some other company will come along and say, fine, you can use mine for free as long as blah, blah. And, right. you know, it's just going to seesaw back and forth until it's somewhere along the line. In a balanced get, area. Gets, gets into an equilibrium. And the fact that the whole world is involved in the process makes it that much less predictable, I think. Yeah. It yes. makes it We're all interested in a free market capitalist society until something like this shakes the balance and then we all want to be communists. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, and look what's happening over in China right now. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You, the government gets to control what's on there, and, mm-hmm. and yet at the same time, the bloggers are undermining the government for the first time in Chinese history. Yeah. You know, there, there's an access. So it's – and look at how many Chinese there are, for heaven's sakes. Right. They could have a huge impact on how the Internet goes. That is completely I'm unpredictable sure. from our point of view. Well, and speaking of, of access discrimination, I have it on some empirical authority that if you go to certain Western hotels in China, you'll actually get access to the secret Western backbone to the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So now we have this sort of, uh, you know, if you can afford it, if you can get into the place. It's very complicated. Even Washington State, we were talking earlier. So Washington State passed this anti-gambling law. And I don't know all the details, but you can't support gambling in any way, even to the point of not even being able to have a website that teaches somebody how to play Baccarat, for example. And there have been reports coming out of Washington State of the government actually coming in and shutting down people on their site saying, well, you, you taught somebody how to play blackjack, and therefore you're helping people gamble, and therefore you are a criminal. Or you review websites about gambling or whatever the case may be, and we don't want that in our state, so therefore you're in big trouble. And, and to me, again, that goes back to that, that big brother, those big corporations trying to legislate and manage what it is that you're looking at or playing with or, or whatever. I don't, I don't know the background of that, though. Do you know the background of how that how that the law passed? How the law passed? Know. Because, I mean, yeah. it just stinks of, like, that sort of early bro- prohibition, you know? I mean, yeah. poker night states, uh, stakes in Vancouver all of a sudden go through the roof, right? I, yeah, I, I don't know how that came about. And even the guy who wrote about it in the Washington Post was talking that his article might even land him in trouble. I think the title of the article was something like, this article may be illegal or a crime or even writing about it as a crime because maybe somehow you're supporting gambling in some way. And somebody comes along and says, what if you sold poker chips? There's a, yeah. Would you be covered then? What if you well, sold cards. cards? I mean, where does it yeah. stop? Yeah. Well, right now while you have you know poker becoming an official sport with ESPN, you know, not in Washington. <laughs> yeah. So can you watch it? Is it blocked in Washington? Ooh, can you watch it in Washington? That's right. On you can't. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that, that to me is. Gestapo uh, comes through the door and <laughs> you're watching poker on TV and they haul you away and the kids are crying, no, daddy. <laughs> but that's, that's actually the darker side of, of technology because there's that sort of human impulse to dominate or, be do- or avoid being dominated. And there are always people who are going to try and take control. Now that technology has advanced to a certain stage, it almost seems as if there's a new move to clamp down on free expression across the board. And so you've got elements in the society who have a strong opinion about some form of expression, whatever that is. They must be Gay marriage or gambling or whatever. Clearly are Democrats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking. Well, no wonder they haven't figured it out yet. Aside from that, <laughs> but whatever whatever interest group it is Absolutely. now has an opportunity because of the technology that's available to enforce its point of view, which it didn't have before. That's true. And so now we've got more and more efforts being made to control behavior and control thought. I'm kind of nervous about the whole thing so if anybody needs to go to dan he'll be in the virgin islands <laughs> that's right <laughs> his own little place there no internet yeah. Yeah. we'll be leading the pack to canada on the bus to canada well all right everybody since we haven't uh, it seems like we haven't actually solved this problem i say we go ahead and put a fork in it that uh, sounds for like for the week we're running up yeah. on we've, we've run it up to about a half hour nicely done all right dan Good thank job. you so much for joining us i i know we have uh, scheduled to have you back uh, next week and wrap up this conversation so i thanks for inviting me to, uh, look forward to seeing you again where was that website again occam's razor consulting.com excellent excellent so we will uh, keep track of dan and and he's running again for what are you running again haven't decided yet <sighs> i 
I love that. So it might not be county commissioner, something different. Almost certainly not. All right. Interesting. And that is run, Dan, run. That is a tease. (laughs) So we will keep up with, uh, we'll catch up with Dan again on uh, politics next week. See y'all. Thanks. This has been Tuesday noon for June 20th, 2006. To see some of the stories we've been tossing around the table, check us out at delicious at del.icio.us slash Tuesday noon. And send us email, Tuesday12 at gmail.com. We would love to talk all about you on the air. Join us next week, Tuesday noon.